Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the John G. Orals podcast, without which life would be incomplete and have little or no meaning. I am your host, who else but Tommy Elson with me as always is the man on the beat from johngsbeat.com, Mr. Jonathan Xavier Robleski. John, how are you? Well, let the record show that this is your second attempt. The first one you had you butchered, so uh, of course you're editing it, so you might actually cut this part out too. But I know, perhaps I'm good. How are you, Tommy? I'm okay. I don't know that I know your middle name. What is your middle name? Well, first of all, it's not Jonathan. <laughs> you're, you're just John. I am just John. It's good enough. And my middle name is actually Francis. But if Francis. if and uh, if you if you watched uh, um, was it Stripes? Yeah. Nobody calls me Francis. Call me Francis, yeah. I kill you. Yeah, I remember. But I do have a bone to pick with you about your introductions. When I was doing the introduction, years you said, oh, you know, just get to the point, just do this, don't no frills, because that's what it goes off. And then you went off on this tangent of without without life, without this, life would be incomplete. No, see, that's not a tangent. That's just stating data. That's fact. That's just I'm just I'm letting people know, like if you you know, are hearing this show for the first time, I'm giving you a, a, a frame of, you know, where, where we're coming from here. You know, I'm like, I'm setting the scene. I'm, I'm laying the base, you know? Yeah, you're but laying you know, it. But, you know, none of that is important because we have uh, a groundbreaking uh, event on today's show because this is the first time in the history of this show that we have ever brought a guest back for a second round not that we wouldn't have past guests back on and, and and hopefully we will have some of our past guests back on but uh we spoke to him not too long ago mr chris bournet who uh directed an independent um documentary on uh, uh black women wrestlers in uh, the 50s and 60s and it's called lady wrestler it's available on amazon and uh, we had interviewed him before. And when we had interviewed him the first time, we hadn't actually seen the documentary yet, but we were intrigued about it, which is why we talked to him in the first place. And then after talking to him, we were really intrigued by the whole thing. And so we decided to set up a time and we got together and we, uh, we had some, some turkey chili that I made, which met with high acclaim. Am I right? It did. Yes. It did. It was fantastic. And uh, we watched the interview. Uh, we watched the uh, documentary, and which I really, was also fantastic. It was. It was very fantastic. I really enjoyed it, and I was immediately like sending the link to people that I know that I was like, "You gotta check this out. This is totally worth the time. It's great." Uh, but along the way, you and I also uh, we we had questions about you know different aspects of the the film and everything and so we reached back out to to mr bourdain and asked him if he'd be willing to spare a little more time and uh sit down and talk with us again and he was and uh and we we had a lovely conversation with him so uh without further ado uh welcome back to the show mr chris bourdain for the john grl's podcast we're proud to welcome into our studios Filmmaker Chris Bornay. Chris, hey guys. How you doing? Thanks for oh, having sir. me back. Great to be here. Thanks Chris, for being here. You, you are the first guest in the history of this podcast that has been back for a second time. Wow. Real honor. And, 
and not only a not only a second time, but within uh, a week of us interviewing <laughs> you the first time. <laughs> wow, wow! I'm like gas, right? Just yeah. <laughs> I'm gone. I come back. <laughs> uh, so when we talked to you last, you know, we we got to uh, hear about everything that you had done to to um, come up with the uh, documentary you did, Lady Wrestler, and uh, John and I were. Uh, you know, we were intrigued in the first place, which is why we had gotten in touch with you and interviewed you the first time. But then after talking to you and hearing even more about it from your 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 perspective, it really seriously piqued our interest. And so we booked a date. John came over. I made some chili and uh, we sat down and gas, huh? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, we sat down and we watched it and we I mean, I really loved it. And I, I posted it. Um, on my social media and told people I, I was like, you know, cause I know so many wrestlers and um, just different ages, different races, different genders and everything. And I, I think every single one of them could benefit from knowing this piece of history. I just thought it was incredibly fascinating. I loved seeing the uh, interviews with the actual women who were there. And uh, I mean, to be, I mean, like that's gold to be able to have that documented is, is just gold. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I, I, and the women, the women that you interviewed were just fantastic. So they were so full of personality. Yeah. They oh, were yeah. fun. Yeah. They were all, yeah. they were all fun. Yeah. It was yeah, very cool. Yeah, thank you for saying that. Yeah. It was, it was definitely um, my goal was to kind of record their oral history while they were, you know, still with us. Yeah. And you did a great job of getting their personalities across and, and just kind of letting them be them and, you know, and everything. And I'm glad that you were able to catch them while they were with us still and everything. Cause as I was telling people about it, I was like, I was telling them, I'm like, you know, he's got interviews with, with the actual, you know, women that he's speaking about and everything. And, uh, uh a lot of people were surprised, but, um, yeah, it was a it was a huge part. So, but we did have some questions uh, about some stuff that we wanted to run past you, just to kind of get a little deeper into it, since we do have the ear of the uh, the man himself here. Uh, so, one of the first things I noticed is that the uh, the film was shot in you know like a four by four mm -hmm. kind of format. Um, mm -hmm. Now, was that because most of the footage that you were going to have from the archive stuff, like, was that, or, or was that a decision you made for uh, another reason? It's, it's purely because of technology. So when I was shooting the interviews with the women, um, the technology that I was using at the time was digital video, you know, the mini, you know, the yeah. sort of almost like mini VHS cassettes. Mm -hmm. So that was that was a challenge of completing the documentary as technology kept evolving and changing while I was while I was shooting so you know nowadays you can shoot on the you know little small little SD cards that you know in 4k if you want to and right. everything is you know high definition but I was dealing with the technology at the time and I didn't want to go back and you know because I finished the I started shooting it in the mid 00s and finished it in the teens. So I didn't want to go back at some point and have all the footage look different because I right. was filming newer interviews with, you know, high definition, newer technology. So when you, um, you know, when you, when you, they call it rendering, when you render the final product, the, um, you know, the modern technology will interpret um, older footage, footage that shot with older technology as being in the format you described. Like if you look at a movie, 
that that's from the 50s or 60s even if you watch it on amazon prime or especially youtube it'll have the like little box you know around it oh yeah it, yeah because otherwise it's, it's just formatted. stretching yeah. out a, a yeah a yeah image yeah yeah i thought it yeah. worked well though i thought it yeah it, 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 it gave it a it gave it a uniqueness for sure but i was yeah. wondering I, I was wondering like if it was a technical thing or if it was a, a an artistic decision so no no it just i mean <laughs> you know like john said maybe it maybe it gives it that retro feel and you know and that's mm -hmm. it goes with the theme of you know yeah the women their their heyday was the 50s and 60s yeah for sure um i i, I was very curious about uh you had a, a a gentleman on there who was a wrestling fan from detroit um, yeah who you would check, yeah who you checked in with a lot now what exactly like why how did you hook up with him and and what's his background like why did you why did you go to him to to uh, interview him for all of this yeah, um, so Kenneth uh, contacted me when the original article in the Columbus Dispatch came out, and he had been a longtime fan of Ethel Johnson and her sisters Babs and Marva, and he actually emailed me, this was back in 2006, and asked me if I could um, introduce him to Ethel because I had interviewed her for the article, and I just said, well, you know, I can't guarantee her avail availability, sure. but I just started working on a documentary about, you know, Ethel and women like her, and you know, since you were a fan and you witnessed their popularity in real time, would you be interested in commenting? And Ken, Kenny is actually an actor in addition to being a wrestling fan. So he had, I mean, he has a lot of wrestling mem memorabilia. So he's yeah, sort of, right. he's sort of like a, you know, informal wrestling historian. So he had, you know, met Ethel and her sisters when he was a teenager, when they came to wrestle at venues in Detroit. So wow. I just thought his perspective from the, the fan um, especially being a male fan, you know, and, and sure. giving the perspective mm -hmm. of, you know, I'm a man, a, you know, not to be offensive, but a straight man who appreciates, yeah. you know, women's sports. Mm -hmm. um, I just thought that was an interesting perspective. And back then, yeah, especially that was that was not common at all. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, women's sports was a, it was a rarity to begin with, you know, but yeah. you know, to to get to get a guy who's a fan of it and and could appreciate it, you know, for you know, and appreciate what women were, were having to add to it, you know, and the extra effort that they had to put in over the men. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's good. Okay. Well, that, 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 that answers that one. Well, along those same lines, uh, you had my guy, you had Roddy Piper in there. Yeah. Did, did, how did that come to be? Like, did you know that Roddy was a fan of women wrestling or did that just, did that come out in a conversation you had with him? Well, I'll give you the condensed, or I'll try to give you the condensed version of a long story of how that interview with Rowdy Roddy Piper came about. So I was a fan of his when I was a kid. You know, I used mm -hmm. to watch the WTF, I guess, at that time in the early 80s, you know, when it was on WTBS. So I'm also, I'm, I'm a fan of all different kinds of music, inclu including heavy metal. And I just happened to be looking on Lita Ford's website and saw that she was going to be at this uh horror conference called days of the dead in indianapolis which is like a four-hour drive from columbus We're and i was like oh i'm a huge lita ford fan i would love to meet her and then i kind of scrolled down the website and saw oh rowdy rowdy piper's gonna be there i wonder if i could just kill two birds with one stone take my camera and ask if he'd be willing to be interviewed there's so, a good chance that john was at that day i was at oh wow wow this was uh july of 2013 I believe. Absolutely. Yeah, wow, John, wow, John, what a small world. Yeah, John. I've covered that convention, yeah. 
Yeah, John wow, has been wow. covering Days of the Dead for as long as I've known him. So I'm sure wow. he was probably in the in the building <laughs> with you. So yeah, that is so cool. So you know, Rowdy Roddy Piper was there for the cast reunion of They Live. And so I just I just got in line in his booth. And I when I got to the front of the line, I said, Hey, I explained the project to him. And he said, Oh, yeah, I remember those women. Why don't you come back tomorrow on Sunday when the line has died down? Uh, you know, and there'll be less people. So I actually had an event in Columbus. I had to drive all the way back to Columbus and then drive all the way back to the next day. And he it's kept worth me it waiting. though. He, yeah, he kept me waiting for hours and hours. And his public, and I can say this now, you know, God rest his soul, because I'm not defaming anyone. Yeah. His publicist came up to me and said, just between you and me, he's sleeping off a hangover. But when he finally, <laughs> yeah. but when he finally, but when he finally came down, he was just so cool and so accessible and just he was just, I mean, he's not someone that you would think would be, you know, you would associate with feminism, but I mean, he was just such a, had so much respect for these women, for women wrestlers in general, but especially for the black women and had known Ramona and recalled an incident where they were hanging out in a bar in Montreal, you know, because he's Canadian and speaks French. Mm -hmm. He um, actually stopped the guy from hitting on Ramona, even though she was perfectly capable of standing up for herself. Sure, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. He, he was he was just so cool and so accessible, and yeah, he he was great to talk to. Well, that's did really you get nice. To meet, oh, did you get no, to meet Lita? Did you get to meet? Lita I did. I did. I did. <laughs> yes, and she she was very gracious in telling me. I would love to take a picture with you, but there's a there's a fee, so I had to go run to an ATM and and you know pay the <laughs> pay the fee to get her autograph and take a picture with her. But she was cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, that's really cool about uh, Piper, though. Um, I'm not I'm not wildly surprised to hear that. I mean, he's just a he's always been a very big proponent of just you know the, the wrestling industry in general, and he has backed up a lot of women in the past. Um, but even even from his generation to still, I mean, because their generation is like probably two generations before him, at least. So, yeah, um, you know, so for him to even, you know, be aware and, and have an appreciation and understanding of it and everything is is cool. And, and to be able to tap into that, it's it's an awesome insight to be able to get. So it was really cool to get the, the clips of Piper in there talking. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Now, in terms of, um, I, we're not asking for a specific pay, I don't even know if you know, would know a specific mm -hmm. pay, but how did their pay scale fare in comparison to um, like the, the more famous white women, I guess, because a lot of them seemed like, you know, they had day jobs as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, well, from what I could glean was their pay was anywhere from like $50 to $500 per match. Um, and I think, well, Ethel since she was married, she didn't have a day job and wrestling was her full-time, um, you know, her full-time gig. But yeah. Ramona, I think Ramona Isbell came in and out. It was like, I think she even said that in the documentary, like she would get tired. She called it the life. I would get tired of the life, right. go get a real job, quote unquote. Um, and then um, Marva Scott, uh, Ethel Johnson's younger sister, she, after she had that experience in Japan, you know, where they threatened to throw her out yeah. of a skyscraper window. She had a, a, a mental breakdown. That was it then. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't completely it. Cause she, she would rest, she would go and wrestle on weekends and stuff sometime. Okay. But she was like, I can't keep doing this full time. It's just too stressful. I have kids to support. So that's when she became a youth counselor. Well, and I was a... hoping, I was actually hoping I could find one of the boys she counseled and like talk sure. about you know, what kind of difference she made in her life. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to like track anyone down. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounded like an extremely traumatic experience, regardless. Oh, yeah. It'd be enough to make anybody say, I'm, sure. I'm out. <laughs> well, well, look at look at Simone Biles and all the athletes nowadays. Yeah. Who like saying, mm -hmm. you know, self-care, you know, I'm not going I'm going to withdraw from the Olympics because I need to work on my mental health. That was not an issue. I mean, that was not an option back then. No, no. Right. Yo, you, you either, you know, went on or you didn't get paid. Right. Um, and you, and you, you didn't have a whole bunch of like, you know, corporate sponsors backing you that you could fall back on that sponsorship income or whatever. So and there was and it wasn't like just every wrestling league was taking people taking in yeah. black women wrestlers either, you know, so exactly. Yeah, exactly. Tommy. Yeah. John. No, I thought you. I thought you had a question. No, no, I was. I was leaving it open oh. for you there, buddy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, you. You said you're um, in process of doing a, a. I don't know if it's a sequel or another chapter of it. Um, yeah. Have you given any thought to discussing uh, trying to get opinions from more recent wrestlers, perhaps even active? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that would be great because what I found was that a lot of the more recent wrestlers were not aware of these women either. Like, um, yeah, I did a. I did a podcast series to, you know, coincide with the release of Lady Wrestler, and I interviewed Trisha Dora and a couple of other uh, oh, more recent wrestlers, and they they seemed like they were just as surprised about mm -hmm. these women as uh, I was. So, and I remember one time I posted a vintage clip from Jet Magazine on Twitter, and like several wrestlers were like, "Oh my God, these women were in Jet Magazine! I didn't even know they existed, let alone they were in mainstream me media." Yeah, mainstream black media, but so yeah, it would be interesting to get the perspective of of current wrestlers about what they think about these women and their legacy. Yeah, whether they're in the uh, you know uh, in the big leagues or they're on in the independents or whatever. I mean, I it was one of the reasons why, like when I I I posted it on Facebook and on Twitter and stuff. But it was just I I just was like, man, I know I can't think of any wrestlers that I know that wouldn't be interested in this that wouldn't be like blown away the guy who was uh my my trainer i sent it to him right away um he and his he and his girlfriend are obviously both workers and uh i said you guys need to sit down and watch this i'm like this is seriously uh, an awesome story that just nobody i don't think not enough people know about it and i'm surprised that it doesn't get uh it hasn't been dug up by any anyone else you know and and thankfully you did you know and, and brought it to light so i i hope that this thing really spreads and gets out there and if you do follow up with um because you said the next one might be just more focused on one particular one i don't remember which well one like well one one woman that i've been communicating with is <laughs> kathleen wembley because um she was a she was a contemporary of ethel and um her sister she knew them and they grew up sort of in the same area. Um, so her her story, even though she sort of came in at the same time into Billy Wolf's wrestling organization at the same time, her experience was different. She didn't, she didn't, wasn't marketed just strictly as a quote unquote Negro wrestler. She had more of a, she yeah. was marketed as kind of having a broader appeal. And then she moved to New York, um, you know, and was married to Bobo Brazil. So she has a whole different, um, a whole different experience than, than the Wingo sisters had. Sure. Um, so one of the things I noticed, um, so my parents were both competitive bodybuilders and I grew up around that, that world. And mm -hmm. when I was growing up, um, a lot of people in general were 
for lack of a better word, they were grossed out by women who were mm. muscular and everything. Yeah. And uh, while there are some pretty muscular women in, in like the WWE and AEW now, I was pretty impressed with the physiques on all of these, these women in the, in the documentary. Uh, and I know that they were trying to show uh, strength, but also be sexy at the same time. Right. Do you, do you have any insight or do you know about how they were perceived just like, you know, in a day-to-day -day basis by, by, you know, men and stuff like that? Like, were they, were they considered attractive? Was it intimidating to, because some guys are just straight up intimidated by a woman who's, you know, got some muscularity to her or something like that. I mean, how, you know, how they were perceived in that way? Yeah, well, you know, as Jeff Lean, the author who wrote the um, biography of Mildred Burke explained is like Billy Wolf and Mildred had that sex muscles and diamonds formula. So right. they and she was really she was really oh, she was ripped. Mildred ripped. Burke. Yeah, <laughs> I was when she first yeah. showed up on the screen, I was like, damn, I'm like, she's <laughs> yeah, off. yeah. Yeah, but I but Billy Wolf, you know, had had them had the women, you know, they when they were outside of the ring, they had to wear dresses, they had to, you know, basically dress up like Hollywood starlets. And in the black community, you know, it's a little more acceptable to be a little more um, fuller figured. So like Babs had more of a fuller figure, whereas Ethel was shorter and a little more muscular and taut. And their younger sister Marva was kind of curvy, and Ramona Isbell was very curvaceous. I mean, yeah. she was she was strong and athletic, but I mean, if you look at her wrestling publicity shot, she I mean, you would not know that was not an actress. I mean, sure, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, I think they were perceived as as being being athletic, but being sexy because they, you know, Ethel, Ethel was probably the most muscular of the of her three sisters, but yeah. even with with her. You know, she she had a that glamorous image, and you know, as she said, she kept her weight down, so she wasn't real, real bulky. She was, yeah, she was very muscular, but more of like an in an Angela Bassett kind of. I way. mean, like I thought, I thought they all looked great and everything, but see, I also never thought, you know, I guess maybe because I just because, like I said, I grew up around it. To me, it yeah. wasn't it wasn't inordinate to see a woman who had a physique on her, you know, so. You know, you know so, was there was there any attempts to uh, capitalize that capitalize on that in terms of either Hollywood or modeling, or was that just not I mean, done at that era? You mean for the women to sort of uh, go into modeling or like act branch, branch yeah. out a little bit? Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, Mil Mildred after she divorced Billy in the I want to say fifties, she she moved to Los Angeles and she opened her own wrestling management business. So I don't know if her. Uh, reason for moving to Los Angeles was she had that idea that you know I can help break these women into uh, acting and modeling they never really it never really happened you know it wasn't like you know the 80s when right uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper and <laughs> they live and it was just sort of like accepted that and especially now social media influence influencers can be actors or, or yeah, right, right. they're shows. they're let yeah they'll let anybody yeah. at this point yeah, yeah sure. so i mean yeah. they, they were on they were on like game shows and stuff but as far as like acting or yeah. like fashion modeling that wasn't really uh there wasn't really much crossover and even gotcha. even if you see that there was like actors were actors models were models sure see actors it on was, the cover of fashion magazines the way you do now yeah just uh, in just, general there was wasn't like a lot everybody of crossover. Was, it was more siloed yeah so. yeah Gotcha. Yeah, no, no, no. You're, yeah. yeah, it just wasn't a lot of crossover in general, no matter what. So that's right. that, that makes sense. Yeah. 
Right. That's true. I, I, I guess we kind of take that for granted because now, like, you have rock stars with reality shows. and exactly. Everybody you know, does everything now. You know, like the Foo Fighters made a movie, you know, it's so, you know, yeah, it's stuff like that. So, well, he, 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 it was even so strict that TV actors didn't do movies. Um, yeah. yeah. Model, models didn't cross over into acting unless they stopped modeling. You right. know, it was just very, very, everybody had their own lane and, and stuck to it. Makes sense. I mean, I mean, even silent film actors didn't become voice actors. It was like you do yeah. one thing, you specialize in one thing, and that's it. Yeah. Oh, well, it makes total sense. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Tommy, anything? I'm good, John. You got anything else? I am good, boy? man. I, we, we do want to wrap up by saying that, you know, again, thoroughly enjoyed the documentary. I mean, I learned, as Tommy said, that's a piece of history, sports history, history, you know, that I didn't even know existed. And watching it, I was fascinated. I know Tommy was fascinated. We, we were both sitting there, and afterwards, we, we talked for about an hour just yeah. about it, and we, we were thinking of you know, random questions we wanted to ask. We appreciate you coming on. Um, we highly encourage anybody to check it out. You don't have to be a wrestling fan. You don't have to support yeah. uh, any particular cause. It's it's historical. It's, a, it's, it's important for everybody. Yeah. And it was very well done. And, and again, thank you for doing it and bringing it to light. And we will definitely be, you know, looking to see if you do anything in the future. We'll, uh, we'll be on it. We'll be all over it. And then we'll have you back and we'll do this again. Drag, drag don't hesitate back. to reach we'll out with updates. Drag man. you back on here. So absolutely. I really appreciate your support. Thank you so much. Thank well, you, thank Chris. You. All right, buddy, you be well and keep it up. And, uh, and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see you down the road. We'll do. Thanks again. All right. Take Thanks, care, Chris. Bye. Have a good Thank night, you. buddy. You too. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, there you go. That's Mr. Chris Bournet. And uh, it was excellent uh, to have him back on the show. I really appreciate him taking the time to talk to us. And yeah, totally. Uh, that was totally cool that he came back on and, and uh, a- answered some of our follow up questions. Yeah. I mean, he had, he had, he had, he had good answers for all of, uh, all of our questions. You know, we didn't have a lot, but we, you know, we, we, had a few things we wanted to find out about yeah, and, things and come was, up in the dock yeah yeah it was a lot of fun and he's such a he said he's a very nice guy a very affable dude and um like i said you know if he you know works on something else or, or for any old reason you know uh would be happy to have him back on a, a third time you know but if he uh but i i will be looking to see if he follows through on on doing uh another documentary of anything really you know whatever it i'm betting be. this is not the last we've heard of of chris bornay yeah and, and and i'm glad that we uh we're here at the beginning to to see where things go so um but thank you again to him for coming on the show and uh and sharing some more insight onto uh the project he did so so wonderfully i do want to emphasize that i know we've talked about it in the interview uh, but i do want to emphasize you don't have to be a wrestling fan to enjoy this this documentary it's so historical it's it, even beyond the history element even behind the wrestling element just seeing those women th- those women were so full of life they were so entertaining yeah, yeah. no it, it it was very uh it was very yeah it was very fun to watch you know you know they're talking about some pretty hard times and some and some difficult stuff but they're 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 doing it and with a with a smile on their face and laughter and positive you know, being able to you know laugh at the absurdity of the things that they had to deal with back then and um and how the world has changed in some ways at least 
and uh yeah i agree 100 percent. it was uh, like infectious like you you could you could feel the energy and it, you could you could tell that it would be you know fun to be in a room with them and 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 talking with them so good word um, infectious absolutely yeah for sure yeah well john i think we've had a good episode i think it's been very upbeat and positive aside from the few shots you took at me in the beginning so i thought maybe we'll just try to close this out on a high note and with smiles and infectious positivity ourselves so john let me ask you a question real quick before we go let's say somebody wants to see the 316th best nugget of social media or whatever the hell your website is called <laughs> and 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 wants to see some top tier uh, reporting with celebrities and sports people and and uh actors and actresses and, and then wrestlers and everybody from under the sun where on social media could somebody find such premium content well, the site to which you referred would be my site, johngsbeat.com. But they can also find me anywhere on social media, at johngsbeat. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, same thing, at johngsbeat. YouTube, which this interview will be on YouTube at some point soon, also johngsbeat. And more importantly, my dear friend, on, an, on uh, another note of positivity, where could people find you, sir? Well, I too can be found on, on Twitter and the gram at Tommy, oh, like that. Un, Tommy underscore else. Uh, I have also uh, revamped my YouTube page, which you can find on YouTube at user slash T, the T3 universe, all one word. Uh, I, it's pretty much full up at this point as far as my material I'm putting up there. I've got all my wrestling videos on there that I'm going to share with people at least. <laughs> there's a few. Lots of John G. Speed stuff on there's, there. There's a lot of John G. Speed stuff on there. There'll probably be some more added at some point. Uh, there's a few uh, matches I left off, some B-sides that I didn't think that the world needed to watch again. But, uh, you know, but generally speaking, you got, you're talking about 70-plus wrestling videos on there, plus live music and, and other miscellaneous things. So they can check that out for countless hours of, of quality entertainment. So that being said, for the John G. Orrells podcast, I have been your host, who else? But Tommy else with me as always is the man on the beat from johngsbeat.com. Mr. John Robleski. We'll see you next time.